Hey there, Matt here. Before we get started, just want to let you know that we will be sprinkling some book knowledge into our podcast. Don't worry, they will not spoil any aspect of the story. They're just more supplementary. However, if you're a person who absolutely hates book reader knowledge in your TV talk, then this podcast probably isn't for you. Also, we're sorry. Anyway, Here's the podcast. Hope you enjoy. Dedicated to George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series. Matt. 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 <laughs> Staggered. <laughs> and the HBO Game of Thrones franchises. One more time. Three, two, one. Matthew. You're listening to Before the Dragon. Don't tell me what to do. Do, 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 do. This one, obviously, on the first try, is Masaria's accent. Matt, what's this one about? Oh, uh, what wasn't it about? I think I heard about seven different accents in some of her speeches this week. Uh, but uh, do we believe her? That's the big question that I have, more so than her accent, is is her trajectory. Um, she she was the one who was encouraging Damon last week saying, and maybe this was just out of respect for him. You're trying to ease his conscience or whatever by saying, "You well, you're still the heir. You're still the heir and all that stuff. But then this week, she's like, no, no, no. You get your hands off me. I came to you because I don't want to be feared. Um, and she says it in about seven different accents as she says it. So how do we feel about Masaria and her accent? Holly. I think the accents are not great. Um, she starts off when she talks, she sounds a little bit like Shay. So Shay from, from Liss, is that where Shay's from? I was like, okay, maybe that. But then like, I don't know. I heard like some Irish, maybe some Jamaican. And then it just kind of landed on French-ish. Um, and then just reminded me of the way she was speaking was when you read... Um, Flor Delacour's lines in the Harry Potter books and just like Z everywhere. Like, you know what I'm y'all, anybody? No? Okay. Nobody read Harry Potter. I don't know. It wasn't oh. great. Whether I believe her, I don't have a reason not to believe her. Um I think I think she's good for her. I mean, she's like, I don't want position. I just want to be safe. Um, and she found somebody pretty strong and rich with a dragon to keep her safe except when he does dumb things like put her in danger by making up lies about her i just thought of shay the whole time um <laughs> in terms in terms of her accent i mean i i i didn't really care about her accent i find her character mildly interesting i think it says more about damon uh then it says anything about her in terms of why he ran off with her it's like what what does she offer him because he doesn't strike me as a person that does anything just because unless you're family. So there's a, there's a catch, there's a hook, there's something there. I mean, I'm sure his uh, lo lover habits probably help, but there's something else there. You don't just drag somebody from town, take her to Dragonstone. They have a transactional relationship to me. That's what it looks like. He's protecting her for whatever she wants to do spending time with him i guess i don't know people don't do that <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I enjoyed it when they went inside the castle. Then when David went inside and had the uh, conversation with Masaria, um, and we learned a little bit more about her situation. I I enjoyed the changes from the novel in this scenario that she wasn't actually um, pregnant, like they talk about in the novel, and uh, the fact that uh, in in her situation she would actually go to the length of ensuring that she could not become pregnant because we see that uh, that doesn't always uh, end up in uh, good scenarios for women and in her position that makes it, you know, probably even more difficult. So yeah, I thought, uh, I thought that conversation was quite interesting between the two of them too. Uh, They haven't really addressed it in the show because it really just looked like he had is uh, he gets to King's Landing and makes a big mess, but he's supposedly the Prince of Flea Bottom and he is um, always um, fraternizing with the small folk and that's kind of his his jam. So um, him taking her as a companion kind of feels like that's an extension of like showing that he's of the common folk or, or at least he's not hoity-toity to look down on, on that lifestyle. So that could be, it could be like you're saying, like at this point in the show, it's just a reflection of um, Damon's character. Uh, I just really liked her cape, even though it was pretty pointless because it like came to her, her shoulders or like all exposed, like across here, I guess it covered her back, but like that's where I was like, girl, you chilly, cover up. Yeah, it was a cool costume. <laughs> I can't see that, Holly. I can't see it at all. I have no idea what it says. And, you know, I'm starting to see nothing but chicken. I'm up to my eyeballs in chicken. Can you tell me what that says? Yeah, uh, it says the Kingsguard's hiring process. Y'all, mm. <laughs> it feels a bit weird to me how, like, in this time period of Targaryen history that choosing a, like, the way they chose a Kingsguard, new king, member of the Kingsguard through essentially what was a group interview by people who just answered the job posting and like turned in their paper application i don't know i think just reading game of thrones and then watching the the previous series and and the source material i just felt like there would be a little bit more to it than that um but maybe it's the sign of the times it's peacetime like i don't know but it just seems like the Kingsguard we do know, or most of them anyway, or like at least the good ones, um, like they were hero knights from battles who, um, you know, showed their loyalty to their king in said battles, uh, who then like would vow to protect that said king for the rest of their lives. And there would be usually, it seems like there was at least some sort of, if not familial, a political or some kind of affectionate like bond between the King's Guard and the king they were serving. Um, I'm, I'm sure that's not I know it's not true in all cases, but I feel like my idea of the King's Guard, that's kind of how I see it. So just to kind of see them like circled around and like, um, uh, there's what the, I already forgot the first guy's name, but he just sounded boring. He was just like, yeah, he, he's a knight. And then he like caught some poachers on his way here. Like, is that the kind of guy we want protecting mm-hmm. the, the king of the realm? And it just really was weird and rubbed me the wrong way. Well, I don't know. I, I love how the fact that you have 60 years of peace with Jaharis creates this situation. It's like yeah. the, the the great the greatness of having peace for sixty years 
makes it impossible to find somebody who's actually fought in a battle or a war uh, in, in terms of, you know, however much uh, time has gone on. Kristen uh, Cole found a way in the Dornish marshes. He also had already found his way into Rhaenyra's heart. Evidently, uh, she had some sparks last week, so she had it took six months later. She still got some sparks. That's the way I read it. So uh, Kristen Cole, hunk a hunk of burning coal there, Susan, or, or is it, <laughs> did were there were Rhaenyra's reasons legitimate? I think they were. I mean, there might be it might be mixed in with a little bit of uh, self-serving there in terms of the the handsome knight uh, that uh, she was impressed with at the tourney. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, it was a, a great uh, decision on her part. Whether she'll regret it in the long run, we'll have to wait and see. Mm. But um, I thought the whole, I, I liked the way it was all set up. And I, again, showing us kind of the pageantry of the times, that whole setup with the little sigils and all the knights there with their standard bearers uh and so forth uh, was uh, was fun i wish they would have given a moment and done kind of like a roll call around it you know if, if having had uh maybe uh harold westerling um mm. name out all the different houses that were here or something like that i think that would have added uh a little bit of extra to it but uh, i thought the process was good and when you think back to how um the king's guard was established and Visenya wanted to have the um best knights who would be able to um keep her brother husband king safe from um assassin attacks and so forth you want people that are going to be uh, good warriors so uh i thought it was a wise decision for Renera to want to have people who had had some practical experience. I mean, the first guy, when he stood up and they were talking about how uh, uh, his experience was in uh, keeping a poacher from poaching, you know, uh, I'm thinking, yeah, sure, that means he's, you know, some poor peasant who was trying to feed their family, and this guy probably <laughs> really uh, shook things up for him. Who knows what he would have done to rode him? Rode him down the same way that the hound rode down the butcher's son. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that doesn't that qualification didn't really impress me much. Same, but she was also smart enough to like at least try to come up with a good qualification for the role of King's Guard, and that is mm -hmm. fight in a battle. And he was the only one. And I get it. There's not a lot of battles. It's peacetime. But like, I don't know. I just I look at the King's Guard as a really honorable group. Um, and I respect Jamie. their vows and traditions. Yes, I know. I know. Lots of them. Look, lots of them. No, lots of them. But I don't know. I, I, I think um, maybe I'm just enamored by Sir Duncan and like the, the tales, you know, I just you get this idea. And then just to see it happen kind of this way was well, I was like, this this is strange. I thought it was I thought it was a cool scene for in terms of like world building stuff, um, how everyone had their own little uh, totem um that he would drag out for no apparent reason because apparently she can't read the sigil from like 15 feet in the air but i mean it's still kind of <laughs> cool it had a little pomp and circumstance um to kind of the event which made it a little bit of a like it was it's it's viewed as something probably a little bit more than your standard interview 
which I understand your your dispute there, Holly, in terms of well, it's like, okay, guys, we're gonna stay in a room, we're gonna talk for a few minutes, and then I'm going to decide. I which I guess like- is kind of like an interview, but at the same time, you think we would, you know, get a little bit more in depth. You'd want to talk with them more than go, what have you done? I've heard it off. Like she didn't even talk to the rest of them. Well, even the political route either, like, how did they select, did these people just show up because they heard that there was openings for a king, for a king's guard, or like, did they have a short list of people that they were like, we're interested, like, I feel like they should be recruiting these guys more than they come and like, see if they can get hired in the same day. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it was stated in the episode, but I kind of just like to think of it. I, I kind of implied that Harold Westerling had uh, kind of put a list together and, and had brought those guys into the room. Um, although you have to admit that when Otto Hightower was talking to her, he was basically uh, pointing out political alliances that only he would know about. So maybe he was the guy who put him in the room. Okay. So uh, maybe, somebody put him in a room. Maybe we just didn't get to hear enough about the other candidates that were there to, to yeah. satisfy me. And then they started off with the, with the boring poacher catcher guy. Sorry. I didn't, wasn't for me. Hunk a hunk of burning coal there, baby. Uh, that's what Ranares has for Kingsguard now. Uh, Kelly, did you have any thought on any of that? Uh, I'm glad that, that you explained what the totems were about. I was very confused as to the point of that, but I guess that makes sense that they had some sort of like symbolic. Sure. I spit my chicken out when John said, because you couldn't see him from 15 feet away. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, 15 feet and six inches, please. She was standing oh. on a tiny little stool oh, that was true. adorable. Sure. I yeah, love that. Was, <laughs> it was great, wasn't it? I love that shot of her stepping up onto it. It was fantastic. That Legend was has it that's the same stool Joffrey took away from Tyrion to at his wedding to Sansa. Is that your joke or is that like a real thing? That's my joke. That's okay, good. Because I was going to say, really? It's like, so you, do we need to put in a, a sympathy it. laugh in that spot? Is that what we need to do? No, no. no just like, leave really? it in as, as is. Crickets. You need sympathy crickets. <laughs> that's what I always get. I was like, wow, uh, that's that's one hell of an IMDb trivia are, post there, Holly. Are, are the, <laughs> it's her are deadpan. The it's her deadpan delivery. Deadpan yeah. delivery will get you. <laughs> I do love that this is the second time we've seen the tarly banner in with like no mention at all like they just keep like they're they're around but they're not really doing I, much of note <laughs> i didn't even know what they're what is their sigil it's an archer archer on a field of green huntsman on a field of green Excuse me. well there was also one of those that lost in the, the tournament last week yes wasn't there? exactly yep exactly yeah. uh, <laughs> oh tarly <laughs> poor tarly's man yeah they're, uh, they're not they're i mean they're they're around they're doing stuff they're noteworthy I, I think what holly was saying about the or maybe Matt and how you were agreeing. You guys, the, the political part had already been done and all of this is more um, ceremonial. So like everyone who, who was here would represent a good alliance or a good favor or something that would be done um, to further the crown's uh, loyalties or something prosper or something, something like that. Like it was already kind of decided that there would be, a, you know, these are all viable, but also beneficial in some way. And these mm-hmm. are the top of the top of the, uh, um, I don't know, the realms that have to offer that would be beneficial to the, to the crown. I believe the category that has been selected is the, 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 the sets. I liked that we're getting to see new parts of, 
of locations we've been before, because I'm pretty sure we haven't seen this view in the sept of where they're praying with the extremely, extremely huge, ginormous statues. Um, I really liked that scene uh, and that setting of that scene it was felt felt big. Um, and then um, just Dragonstone looked for me looked amazing, all foggy. I loved it. Uh, it looked like I felt like it was supposed to look real cool and then dragons coming out those clouds spinning when the dragons came out that was just great any other sets that struck anybody else i like i particularly did I, I i don't guess i've said too much about this but um this small council room seems so much nicer than the one that ned and and varies and all of them were in that place seemed like this little corner in a in a cove where there was no light and where, you know, it just seemed awful and everything. And here there's lots of light and everything. I love the fact that at the end of the scene uh, or towards the end of the episode, as Viserys is about to turn to his small council and announce that he's uh, about to be or that he's going to become betrothed to Allison, the way that he's looking out the window um, and, and then turns to the crowd and the way the light was going in on the table and everything. I thought that that, that set underrated in my opinion. Uh, anybody else got anything about sets? This happened on my TV screen. Maybe it was just me, but the um, I thought the sept actually looked, besides the statues, which are awesome, I, th I did think the back looked matte and weird. It looked matted. Like it looked like um, flat. Mm. Flat matte. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, the sept, the sept okay. I had more of a problem with the outside than the inside um, to see it. And I don't even know what sept that's supposed to be. Obviously, it's not the sept of Baylor, um, but uh, it looked really weird to me on the external shot before we went in with them while they were praying. Mr. CGI, did you have any thoughts on the uh, on the sets? Oh, the is, sets? That, is that is that is that my new name, Mr. <laughs> CGI? Sir, trust yes. me, I'm not, I, I am I'm not that uh, I'm not that qualified. However. I, I did watch it on um, the the better TV in the house this time. Um, and I have to say it was much improved and I didn't notice anything in the sept. Um, I didn't really notice a lot of any like bad composition shots. I will say a note for everybody who's watching HBO Max. They're notoriously known for really highly compressed streams. So if you have any sort of issues with your internet connection, they'll, it'll swap between resolutions really fast. It'll crush your blacks. So if you have a lot of internet traffic in your household, if you can turn off everything else except the TV you're watching, then that may help. Um, but yeah, HBO Max is crushing it. Um, if you have 4K TVs, um, depending on the quality of your TV and all sorts of other technical things, you, you might get some kind of, um, halo effect, um, which did happen in the last, um, T uh, last episode a lot, but I think they had to do more with, uh, Matt's uh, comments earlier about rushing the CGI and stuff and everything being rushed. So it just wasn't as finished. So to answer your question, I didn't have any issues in terms of the sets. What I did like about the sets is there was more about practical sets and not about kind of like kind of sweeping pans and looking up at a digital set. It was mostly focused on the conversation. It wasn't trying to kind of create a sense of awe, except when it was needed with the dragons. So 
but um, I did like the kind of, we got to see Dragonstone, the long path that we saw from the original series, but from this time period, but we also got to see different vantage points from Dragonstone, which were very, very cool. I'm certainly not an expert in this, and um, I rarely comment out of, about it because of I, because of that. Of course, I managed to comment about a lot of things that I'm not an expert about. But this, I'll say, I saw a real difference in the style of direction between Greg Yatanis and uh, Michael Spoznik or Miguel Spoznik uh, um, between the first episode and this episode. I thought that um, this this directing style was much more suitable to create intensity just between two characters. Um, and, you know, maybe it, as much attention to how things blended in the back and the sept didn't pay, didn't uh, work as well because Miguel tends to work at that kind of stuff a little more. But I thought that that scene between Allison and Rhaenyra was a, a very emotionally packed scene for me just because of the way that uh, Mr. Yatanis shot it. I, I, you know, I, I felt that it was framed very well in a huge space to still seem very intimate, even though even they're f not close together either, but it still felt very intimate. And I, I really enjoyed that, the way that that was put together. Um, yeah, great points, the, man. the way that they were lit, but everything around them was dark, but it was cavernous and yet it felt intimate because they were just together within the light. Um, that's a good, that's a good, like, intimacy like creator i guess in mm -hmm. that way too yeah and then comparing that with how alicent is when she's with viserys and how like it's such a cozy room that they're always in and they're always like you know doing something kind of um close to each other um that creates <laughs> poor alicent girl's been like taking on the 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 um mourning uh, for both <laughs> both of these characters when they should be mourning with each other <laughs> but the yeah the direction uh in these two scenes kind of created that intimacy with this kind of like um control point being Allison and and the um the loss of the characters she's comforting that's really sweet yeah they have done a lot of work um like jumping to that Allison Rhaenyra connection they've done a lot of work establishing how close those two are um and it's going to it made that ending part a punch that much harder because I mean you think about it, it's like they've had two episodes to create that emotional connection and then you talk about the emotional connection that they took how many like almost a whole season between John and Danny and it still felt like how <laughs> how does that work so it, they're, they're doing a great job in terms of efficiency. But but to Matt's point, I think the visual language that this director used um, is a lot more akin to what we're used to um, with Game of Thrones, where I think Miguel was trying newer stuff in the premiere, trying to expand that visual language in terms of how you tell a story. And I don't know if it necessarily hit for everybody. I think that might have been, for me, part of the reason why I'm like, this doesn't quite feel right. Serious talking time. Serious talking time. Let's start a dragon count, guys. We we we've mentioned them on and off, but there's got to be more dragons in this show, right? We've we've seen them in the trailers. We're at two, one two. We got. We have Rhaenyra's Cyrax, and we have Damon's Caraxes. 
with the squealy roar. That was so cute. I liked hearing the new dragon sounds, different dragon sounds. I like, I still, I, we touched on this last week. I love how they don't look alike. They don't sound alike. I can't wait to see more. And I'm kind of surprised that we went to Dragonstone and we didn't just like have some wild dragon from Dragonstone just like fly up and see, check out what was going on. It is interesting that if a couple of other dragons show up, like a Caraxes or, or a Syrax, why doesn't it draw out some other dragons that might be floating around? I wonder. Now, what did they say about Vagar? Uh, Lena was asking Viserys about Vagar, and he said that the, he was that Vagar was last seen where? They think she nests along the coast of the Narrow Sea. I don't know if they said a specific place. Uh, okay. Lena, Lena said that. She, the traders from Spice Town can hear her cries and they're sad. I love that she had all the Vagar questions. That was everything. How how is it riding the dragon? Where where is it? Where where is the dragon? I think she wants to get her a little dragon. And I think she wants really a dragon. Adorable. Yeah, I think that's the case. Absolutely. Don't we all? You we, didn't talk we, about Dreamfire. Dreamfire. That's, like, that's like the biggest name drop for oh, me. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, like we could see Dreamfire. And, and I might be mis mixing up the dragons, but isn't she kind of like white with like kind of like shimmering scales? Or silver crest so, flashing silver. along her back as her pale blue wings beat. Okay, yeah, I knew it, it, it's like, that's gonna be like the coolest looking dragon. Dedicated to George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series. Of Tyrion just gaping at Drogon as he flies over. As he is, of course, fleeing <laughs> away from Daenerys as fast as possible. <clears throat> Sorry, I uh, must have caught your uh, laryngitis your, through, through the through the podcast. And the HBO Game of Thrones franchises. As I device. was saying, Drogon <laughs> was fleeing <clears throat> from Daenerys just as fast as possible. <laughs> But Tyrion got to see Drogon right. that way. You're listening to Before the Dragon. Don't tell me what to do. Do, 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 We did not talk about the big bad yet that's been introduced. And he that's kind of what this character is. Like, everybody else is fighting their own stuff. This guy is just evil, apparently. So I thought we should touch on him. Well, what did you think? Okay, Nightmare Fuel A. Um, thank you, Westerosi-verse, for just giving me new ways to die to be afraid of that I never would have imagined before um and I I live in South Louisiana so like I love crabs I want to eat them and I felt like what I was watching was the crab's revenge from all the the crabs I have consumed in my entire lifetime mm -hmm. um and then the guy the crab the crab feeder guy um I, I guess it's not a spoiler to say I didn't catch it from the episode, but I saw some articles or um, maybe it was maybe there was like a behind the scenes reference, like video reference where this guy's got grayscale. So he's like probably on. The oh, so is that why he's wearing the mask? Yeah. Is to cover um, up the grayscale and stuff on him? Because yeah, I, I, I just thought the mask looked menacing. But now if there's a reason behind that, that makes yeah. him even scarier. He's called the crab feeder. Correct. Yeah. It's yeah okay oh you know i know i know oh uh oh oh, oh. 
(laughs) 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 That is a change from the novels and, uh, or the novel. And this character that you, you wonder, you know, then is he spreading the grayscale? Uh, Is there going to be, you know, something like that that might uh, then impact the whole plot in general? But the other thing that they mentioned in the behind the scenes, which I thought was really unusual, was that that mask that he's wearing is actually from the Sons of the Harpies. That it was a a broken Son of the Harpies mask. And that had me thinking, because if... If this is a son of the harpies mask, then that means that that organization, whatever it represents, um, has been around a lot longer than uh, than we would have thought it did. Because I was under the impression in the television show that uh, Danny's kind of spawned it, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that uh, I was really curious. I was surprised that they would uh, have used that. And um, I'm curious as, as to where that's going to go and if they're going to provide any more information about it. I agree. It, it, uh, hopefully we, we will get some more information about that because I was under the same impression as you, um, not just from the television show, but also pretty much from the books in terms mm-hmm. of what was going on in Marine that, you know, it was because Danny had taken over and, and the slave owners were basically... And this was one of their ways of of kind of rebelling against her, but right? Maybe maybe there has because uh, I mean, there's always there's always going to be bad rulers one way or the other. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe this uh, this organization sponsored probably by all the slave owners has been in existence for a long time to just kind of clear out whoever's uh, not doing the job properly. So that's definitely a possibility. Yeah, I want to know more. I do too. <laughs> I do too. He's taking all these poor guys from Corliss's ships and nailing them on posts on the beach so they can get eaten alive slowly by crabs, which is terrifying. 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 And he looks extremely scary. Um, So I think this is, this is cool. We have a a common enemy to unite against. It's, it's the crab. It's not the night King. It's the crab King. Plus I'll never go to another seafood restaurant again. Oh, I will. I love crabs very much. <laughs> I nearly spit my trickling out. Well, I just thought it was interesting that they waited until this week to validate Coralis's concerns. Uh, and they kind of let him uh, sound like he was chicken head cut off running around. Uh, and then it actually is as bad as he's saying. And it made Viserys seem like he's being negligent by kind of emphasizing on camera how horrible this guy is being that he's letting this happen in his realm and he's just kind of worried about upsetting Essos uh, leaders by not addressing what it would clearly be uh, worth addressing if it were happening anywhere under anyone's rule so it, it it made Viserys look really bad I think okay so what's worse getting eaten by crabs or having maggots eat your finger. Oh, get eaten by crabs. Crabs way worse. Yeah, the crabs. maggots look fun. <laughs> okay, Kelly, you're gonna have to explain that one. <laughs> I mean, it obviously wasn't bothering him. Like, and it, it, like, I don't know. You ever like stick your hand in like um, beans, like uh, dried beans or something like that? Like it, that looked. I don't know like, about beans. It seemed like it would tickle a little bit. You know, like I'm, yeah. 
Mm. <laughs> I'm not. Mm, mm, no, I don't think I want. No, I don't want the maggots on my hand, really. But I, if I had to choose that or get eaten alive by crabs, maggots all day. Maggots are helping. The crabs were anti-helping. Anti-helping. <laughs> so as I pointed out in the initial reaction, um, it seems like the throne is really coming after Viserys now. Um, because everything, everything that that throne does to him seems to be way worse on him than it would be on anybody else. He's got, in, you know, things on his back that aren't healing. He's got a finger that is now rotted from that cut that we saw him have with Damon. Six months later, it hadn't healed, and now it's starting to rot off. Um, yuck. There were very enticing looks between the Maesters and Otto this episode that kind of confirmed some of the little vaguer suspicions we had from last week, which make me a little more concerned about how much helping the Maesters are doing um, on and about uh, Viserys. So this this all seems very unfortunate, but uh, could it be uh, aided along by what the Maesters are doing? It doesn't seem like, like on camera, it looks like they're trying to do everything to help him. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think yet. I mean, I definitely think that there are some behind the scenes politics that the maesters are involved in and we saw that from the game of thrones series from the novels we get lots of hints of that so certainly some of that goes on and it certainly appears that the uh maester and otto have some communication going on about things but i'm not sure how much i buy into a, a really big conspiracy at this point in time i do think that the whole thing with uh viserys and his wounds and especially um the maggots was just it was just really nice and symbolic um in terms of of him being an ineffective king and um the whole idea that they've had uh, historically about the king and the realm being one um you know that uh, if the king is is failing it's not good in terms of the realm is failing that yeah. kind of uh, ideology all of these looks that i see being exchanged that you guys are claiming is about between otto and, and really a, a maester malos or mm -hmm. or between the maesters themselves doesn't have anything to do with nefariousness it, uh, it all has to do with concern that everything that they're trying isn't working that's what i'm seeing but mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if you guys are seeing conspiracy theories and have at it. It's just not my thing. For, did with somebody mention? Did somebody mention last week the Maester? Did did we talk about the Maester conspiracy last week from the books a little bit? Vaguely about they want to get okay. rid of dragons. Yeah, so I I do feel like I'm kind of I do kind of feel like this episode leans into it a little bit, even if it's not what it is. I feel like they're they're feeding that conspiracy for sure they're giving if you want to see it there like it's there yeah well if you want to see anything you can see it no 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 you can only see what they show us but they're choosing to show us these looks between the grand maester and so otto you saw Hightower. nefariousness between melos and and otto i'm just saying they didn't have to show them sharing a look if it wasn't significant mm. unless the maester is concerned for his king's health and he's expressing that to his to you his might be right I'm not saying I believe this. I'm saying it's there. Like we can pick it apart and chew it. And there's, it's going to taste a little bit like Maester conspiracy. Okay. So everybody wants a grand Southern conspiracy. 
podcast. Uh, Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wrote the Grand Northern Conspiracy podcast. You damn person who ruined my life for two years. Two years. Yes, I never got over that. I never got over that. Holly and Kelly know. I never got over it. I wasn't loved it. He loved I mean, it. I was. I wasn't a podcast. Oh no, I took it out on you a lot though. You just didn't so, know what it was about. I feel so validated too at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, wait a minute, John. I can't. I can't see that. Uh, what does it say? <laughs> it says, "Thar be old Valeria." Are, were you guys interested in the history of Valeria there that he was talking about the old built? What was the building that they called it? it? Started with an A. I can't remember. Can't yeah, remember either. Um, but the way that it was nestled up against the volcano, the same way Dragonstone was. And that uh, he keeps alluding, they keep trying to make connections between dragons and volcanoes in mm -hmm. Valyria. And, uh, of course, you need a little bit of blood mages in there, too, just to make sure that it's nice and mysterious. Uh, anybody I got any idea where they're going with this? I mean, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm on for the ride. I feel like I'm on the Pirates of Caribbean ride, but we're going to Valyria. Might just be trying to establish that it's in the past and it's not as... Uh, um, uh, Game of Thrones time frame as as we are used to, like it's closer to you know Valeria time frame. Before he kicks the bucket, though, I would like to hear. He seems to know a lot about these, like the dragon magic and blood magic going on in old Valeria. I would like to know a little bit more about that. And does that explain why he dislikes dragons so much? I, I don't know. Do you think maybe Viserys rode the biggest? dragon nuke there ever was and was just so uh, overwhelmed overwhelmed afraid terrified like but also just like really understood like oh look what this thing can do um and he's like i am not strong enough to ride this dragon these things are terrifying could be but that's a good but, thought, though. He does have respect for, for the dragons and almost like a dislike for them. And, and Matt, as you were saying, when um, he was looking out the window before he turned around and made his decision, uh, he was looking over, I think, the dragon pit. Um, so I wonder if that has like influence hmm. on his thoughts of his, his duty or maybe of his, uh, um, like how much uh, power that his family has and what they're required to do with it. Something representative of that. I want some of your chicken. I'm hungry. <laughs> three words. That's what we're doing here to describe. Uh, Holly's three words are I am hungry. Obviously, uh, she needs some chicken. Me, I'm getting really tired of chicken. Uh, I've been at it for a while and it's starting to get really old on me. But uh, let's get our three words in. I'm going to give mine first so that I can shut up and continue to eat chicken. Uh, my three words, which I did not give in my initial reaction podcast like I normally do, but this time around, I went with exciting existential crisis, simply because I thought that that was the heart of the whole episode. I thought that the intensity between, oh my gosh, Damon and Rhaenyra was incredible. I loved the way that it ended. 
I love that music that built up to it. I love the music of Rhaenyra approaching. I love the music of Rhaenyra leaving. And then Rhaenyra arriving at uh, Dragon's, uh, pardon me, the Red Keep afterwards after leaving Dragonstone. All of that was covered in my musical uh, musical analysis. So uh, if you missed that, if you skipped ahead to 10 minutes or whatever that it was, then well, I apologize, but I'm still talking about it somehow hours later in this podcast, right before I put some chicken in my mouth. Holly, what are your three words? Uh, because I'm so hungry and now excited for what's coming. Uh, let's go crabbing are my three words. Oh my. Nice. Mm, 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 mm. Kelly, what you got? Uh, my three words, uh, what Rogue Prince? Uh, the title was called The Rogue Prince. We barely saw him this episode. I was kind of going the whole episode like, uh, did I get the wrong title? Hello, hello, where is my Damon? And he was uh, nowhere to be found for a majority of this episode. Very disappointing, zero stars. Um, give me more Damon. <laughs> wow. I'm so glad you said that because I had the same thought too about the title. I was like, this doesn't really work, but. <laughs> Interesting. John, what you got? Order. His sequential order was the best excuse, I think. John, what you got? It'll be, it, it's, a, it's a playoff of another franchise, but it, it just came to me. So, um, Targaryen, Rhaenyra Targaryen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is it time to start meshing in Lord of the Rings with House of the Dragon? I really thought it was might have been that, but I couldn't. That was good. I like that. Yeah, uh, that was great. Uh, okay, Susan, while I continue to stuff my mouth with chicken, I expect Pat Face to give me a good set of three words. Yeah. My three little words for this week are stirring things up. Stirring things up. Like a sea? Stirring the sea stirring there, Patch Face? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know. I know. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of things were getting stirred up this week um, between uh, what was going on at, um, uh, at the Stepstones and what uh, that's building to and how things got uh, stirred up in terms of the decision that uh, Viserys made about his marriage and um, what's going on there and all the stuff that got stirred up on, on Dragonstone. So, yeah, I think there was a lot of things getting stirred up this week. Also, likely Seth on Twitter uh, submitted these three words. We really appreciate it, Seth, for submitting these. Dirty Dragon Daycare. Ooh, the service the king is evidently starting. Ew. I guess that's in reference to Delena. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that, you know, if you listen to some of Patchface's examples earlier, Seth, you'll see that um, this ain't necessarily an abnormal thing. Uh, so, which is disgusting, but uh, nonetheless not abnormal uh, for any our own history so that's pretty awful uh but anyway okay we've got some additions here via feedback that we would sure want to include first of all on twitter remember at the letter b the number four the dragon pod on twitter you can always submit these or the brothel mates or whatever you wish via that way there's other ways too i'll get to those in a bit but dirty dragon daycare is the three-word description that comes from likely seth 
on Twitter. That's likely Seth on Twitter. Love it. And it's a triple D. So I'm sure that the Joffrey of podcasts would appreciate that as well. Likely Seth goes on to explain the service. The King is evidently starting. Ew. I agree for certain. Ew. Uh, that kind of, uh, kind of gross. Although if they were really trying to shock me, they didn't because as Susan explained, there's a whole lot of that age stuff going on uh, in our own history, which is really disturbing. Anyway, uh, another three-word submission, this one time on YouTube, submitted on the initial reaction, comes from Nightwolf Nim. That's Nicole. We love Nicole. Thank you, Nicole, for commenting on the YouTubes. By the way, folks, you can too. Just search for the word before the Dragon Podcast on YouTube. Find us and subscribe. We'd love it if you would. Uh, Nightwolf Nim says three words: feasting flesh eaters. Ooh, and that could have multiple meanings there, uh, but it's making me think of the crabs. So, thank you very much, Nightwolf Nim, on YouTube for your submission there. We've got brothel mates from her as well, so we'll be sure to check in with those once we do our brothel mates. All right, folks, we want your three words as well. Please submit them to at the letter B, the number four, the Dragon Pod on Twitter, or you can send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, M-A-T-T-S, audioblog at gmail.com, or you can go to mattschicken.com. I'm sorry, that's not right. <laughs> mattsaudioblog.com. Uh, and you can uh, submit on the comments there uh, on the website, any of the posts there. You can also go to Before the Dragon Podcast. Just search for the word before the Dragon Chicken Podcast uh, on YouTube, and you can find us there. Uh, Brothel Mates is next. Can tell it half so clearly. Three little words, eight little letters, simply mean I love you. Can you explain brothel mates from a mouthful? Oh my God. Okay. Brothel mates is a segment we do every week where we pair two of our favorite things together. It could be two people. It could be a person and a, an object. It could be two objects. It could be places. It could be whatever you want. Use your imagination. You got your two favorite things that were together in the episode in some fashion. How was right. that? <laughs> that was really good. That was better than I do it. Uh, Kelly, how about yours? What were yours? My brothel mates this episode were uh, Danny's wardrobe and Rhaenyra. <laughs> so I feel like Rhaenyra was really channeling Danny today. And uh, whoever the costume designer was, I think did a good job of uh, indicating at least what the uh, Targaryens classically wore and making it... Uh, aged backwards for Rhaenyra here. It was very cool uh, to see her fly up on through the clouds on that dragon. 
Uh, definitely had a moment where I was like, how, why did they put Danny in this episode? And then, <laughs> and then uh, realized I was going crazy and then uh, appreciated what I was actually seeing, which was Rhaenyra looking awesome. This goes to show that all Targaryens have a sense of style, yes? Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, John, how about you? I t- it took me a minute to think about it. It's like, okay, what's going to be the most consequential thing, even though he wasn't in a lot? Kelly was greatly disappointed. My, my brothel mates are going to be Damon and Corliss. Mm, there's a lot of brewing going on there at the old Driftmark. Uh, see what's going to happen there and if they're going to go after him on the Stepstones or anything. I imagine you can already determine whether they will or not if you've seen the next week <laughs> preview um, or, of course, if you've read the books. So... Uh, if you don't want to know anything about that, we won't say anything. However, uh, that's a great pairing. I love it, John. Holly, how about you? My brothel mates of the week are Lady Lena and information on Vagar. Mm, okay. Like that. Yeah, I think that uh, that was pretty adorable, the fact that she wanted to know all of that stuff. So cute. I hope that she gets a dragon someday. Me too. Susan? What were your brothel mates for this particular episode? Well, Bat, under the sea, all the dragons are green, and they breathe boiling water, not fire. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, I know, I know. <laughs> and my my brothel mates this week are Caraxus and Syrax. Because they got along, or just because they, they were a powerful couple sitting on either side, or why? Yeah, I think they were a powerful couple sitting on either side, and I liked the way that Caraxus kind of... Uh, called out uh, when the other dragon came there. It didn't seem like there was anything aggressive going on between the dragons. It seemed more like he was, uh, uh, if anything, interested in the new arrival. So, yeah, yeah, I liked the pairing of them this week. Mine, speaking of dragons, was the dragon handler in Black Eye as he practically was crying in Valyrian to Rhaenyra telling her that uh, Damon had stolen the egg. Um, I'm not sure if he was crying because he was ashamed that somebody like Damon could beat him up after he's been handling dragons all his life, or if he was just more ashamed that he lost an egg. But either way, uh, the poor guy ended up with a black eye and uh, was crying. And so that's why uh, Dragon Handler and the black eye are my brothel mates this week. And as promised on YouTube, Nightwolf Nim submitted to Brothel Mates as well, saying Viserys and Infected Wounds. They seem to be the strongest alliance in the Seven Kingdoms. <laughs> Very good, Nicole. Love it. Excuse me, I got a chew. love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me. Who's going to go first? Who's going to draw first? Holly, you going to draw first? I'll, I'll draw first. All right. You're, can you see the screen? Yeah. Okay. Your number is 
Number 14. Oh, I like that number. I get break bones again. <laughs> number 14 is break, break bones break strong bones. again. Wow. Okay. So you're going to keep it or are you going to, I don't even think he appeared in the last episode, but I don't no, know. He didn't. He and, and I, and I want to mm, like, part of me wants to throw him back because I was like, well, you didn't do anything for me. I didn't even get to see you, but I, what if I throw him back and then he appears next episode? I'm going to throw him back. Wow. Okay. A rejection living on the wild side. Now this one, no matter what you have to yep. take it. You ready? Yep. 15. <laughs> uh lord jason lannister i'll take a lannister let's meet a lannister yeah you uh you don't have a choice but to take him however uh i don't even know if he'll even be in the episode that's just the way we go he's the only lannister credited in all of them and i still haven't seen him maybe we maybe he was at that initial council sure we got to spin the wheel again is that what it is? You gotta spin the wheel every week, Susan. You gotta spin <laughs> yeah. the wheel every week. That's right. just the way that it goes. I mean, it's okay. awful. I know, I know. It's awful. But Okay. So, Susan, you are completely safe from last week. You're paying the only punishment that you owe right now, the patch face punishment. Very All good right. for you. Uh, so, so far, you are free and clear. But we'll have to see what happens this next week for the third episode. And in order to do that, you have to draw another character for this week. Uh, so here we go. Your numbers are between one and 39. Here is your number. Your number is 32. Ooh. 32 in episode three, because we do shift the numbers, is Raina, who <gasps> is uh, very young, <laughs> if even around at this point, right? Raina? Okay, so it's not Rainies. Raina. Not Rainies. Uh, or, or Rhaenyra, it's Reyna. Um, I don't think she's appeared in the episode, any of the episodes yet, Susan, and I doubt, I mean, I don't know when she might, but she is scheduled to show up sometime during season one. That's true. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take her. All right. Susan is going to take Reyna Targaryen. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Good luck to you. Thank you. I think it bodes well for me. I know, I know. <laughs> Let's do John next, since Kelly's still involved with the burrito. John, here is your first draw. 23. 23 is Maester Kelvin. Not sure which one that is. Throw him out. Throw him out. John likes to use all of his chances. Number 30, Sir Lenor. Mm. Valerian. Here we go. Here's Kelly's first draw. Number five, which is Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen. Ooh. I mean, that's a guarantee, right? She's going to say a dragon name. Probably. Did she say a dragon name this episode? I don't think she did. Yes, she did. Oh. Yes, she did. Oh, she did. She yeah. said, "What? Well, be careful, uh, Cyrex. Oh, that's correct. That yeah. is correct. So, Keeping it or throwing it back? Keep the trend going. Let's throw it back. Roll it again. Rolling again. 25. Which is Aegon Targaryen. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> that was good to me. She got herself a buy. You might actually be surprised next week to find him. 
in the episode. Okay, here we go. Here's my first number. 33. What is 33? Good number. Surveyman. I, John, that, that's what you had last week, isn't it? Or somebody Sounds had familiar. it. No, or maybe it was Susan that had it last week. I'm throwing it back. Throwing it back. Take, I'm not taking any chances with Valerians. Uh, let's go. 38. <laughs> right? 38, yeah. Uh, 38 is Ooh, Rickard Stark. Rickard Stark. <laughs> So, we have chosen this time around. Who will be punished? Who will not be punished? We shall see. Thank goodness I'm having to talk a little bit now because I'm really, really tired of chicken. Uh, Wes sent in a tweet to us. He is at Wes Harwell on Twitter, and he says, really enjoying the episode so far. Just FYI, to answer your question, and this was in regards to my initial reaction earlier this week on the Valerian's wealth, the world of ice and fire mentions that after the last of his voyages, Corlys briefly surpassed the Lannisters based on trade profits around the same time that High Tide was built. I had asked the question simply, have the Lannisters started pooping gold yet? And evidently uh, they have, uh, but they haven't been pooping enough gold uh, and Corlys was able to catch up with them. Uh, I'm sure that that was in the, the same world of ice and fire that i tried to read a couple of years ago uh but i'm not sure that i got to that part uh and i'm not sure i remember anything from fire and blood regarding it either but thanks for reminding me wes i really appreciate it okay and we're trying to get as much of the feedback that you guys send us in as quickly as we can the way i put these podcasts together sometimes it takes me a little while to get to all of it but i promise everything you send will be read this is another tweet that comes in from Likely Seth. Likely Seth on Twitter says that they are Team Damon. My view is that everything he did and lied about comes down to the fact that he loves and lusts for his niece. It was even pointed out that he can't get it up unless the girl has platinum hair. His lies and theft were to draw his niece in. To draw his niece in as opposed to his brother. Interesting, Seth. Very interesting. Uh, I can't argue it because I have no evidence to say otherwise. Um, he did seem disappointed when Otto uh, said that Viserys was kind of above doing this kind of duty. Uh, but hey, that's uh, an interesting point of view. We'll keep it in in the mind as we continue forward. Also, we have YouTube comments to go over, or at least one. This one is from Nightwolf Nim, Nicole. And Nicole says, I personally love that they kept the Game of Thrones music. However, the actual credit sequence is far more confusing and will take some time getting used to. I wish they had chose an actual map sequence again. The episode itself was great. 
but it just might be the ickiest with the Valarians offering their 12-year-old child to Viserys. I'm really enjoying getting to know Corlys and Rhaenys. In my opinion, they're the two most interesting characters so far outside of Rhaena and Damon. I'm still team Damon. I think he took the egg because he's feeling betrayed that his brother sent him away over something that he might not even have said. It's his way of lashing back at him specifically. All right. Thank you very much, Nicole, for those thoughts as well. Uh, the opening sequence, hopefully we broke it down a little bit for you to tell you what it was. But uh, instead of a, I guess, a geographic map, now you have kind of a genetic map that you're following, which I'm not sure that that's a great idea, especially when some of those symbols are so far away, didn't quite get uh, it was confusing uh, is all I'm saying uh, because somebody explained to me uh, out of context house of the dragon has a great video. If you want to check that out, I think Susan and I talked about that earlier. So uh, check that out. And it's got all of what those symbols and little discs and wheels mean. Uh, very nice. I uh, actually, you know what? I'll put that link in the show notes as well for that Twitter status because it was very helpful to me. And we've given some extensive talk about the the creepy girl stuff. And I like Corlys and Rainey's too. I thought that, you know, as sickening as the whole proposal kind of thing was, uh, in a historical context, context, I guess it's not so much, but... Uh, that doesn't really affect the way that I feel about either Corlys or Rainey's for some particular reason. I think mostly because of the way that Rainey's was talking to Rhaenyra um, in the episode while some of this stuff was being set up. And I'm totally team Damon, as you are. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if what is going on with Damon is directly involved with Rhaenyra as likely Seth just said, or if it's involved with Viserys, I tend to think the latter, uh, but I've got an open mind here. Uh, either way, I'm just excited to see what happens next week. Thanks so much for your comments on our YouTube page. Remember folks, search for the word before the dragon podcast on YouTube. Find us. Hit that subscribe button. Hit those like buttons for those videos. It would be very helpful to me if you did. And uh, leave your comments there. We can get them there. You can even submit your scenes from a movie there if you want. Uh, everybody will see them and they can cheat off of you. Uh, but uh, otherwise, if you want to submit anything at the letter B, the number four, the Dragon Pod on Twitter, you can send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com. You can also leave comments at our website, mattsaudioblog.com. That's going to do it for this time around. Thanks so much for joining me to you, the listeners. Thanks so much to my panelists who tolerated seeing chicken in my teeth the entire episode and not even saying a word. It was great. Uh, I, they were very kind and very, uh, you know, they were able to look away discreetly uh, you didn't see them being disgusted by me. I really appreciated that. Susan, thanks again for joining us. Really appreciate it. Any final thoughts about the episode? 
I'm just looking forward to to the next episode. I want to hear more. I want to see more. And I did hear from that some people had received advanced screeners of some of the episodes and that they had sent out screeners all the way through episode six. And from what I've heard, this was supposed to be the slowest episode. Uh, this is the one that got kind of like the lowest rating among the people who had seen quite a few of the episodes. So mm. I think that means we're just uh, looking up from here. And I also heard this one was the uh, shortest as well of the season. So this, there you this go. This is the reason that I'm paying the punishment I am paying now, because I bet all of them over 55 minutes. And this <laughs> one was just under 55. Uh, so there you go. Uh, here's to you, showrunners. Thanks. Just, you couldn't have added just a few more seconds of dialogue i know it was there but you had to cut it out now i'm doing nothing but eating chicken <laughs> you and the hound me and the hound all the chickens in the room which i currently have all the chickens in the room holly thank you so much for joining us any final thoughts i'm out of chicken places to think of that you could have gotten <laughs> She's got nothing. All right, Kelly, you got a chicken place for me? My house. You come over. I cook you some uh, vegan chicken nuggets. Vegan chicken nuggets. I'm sorry if uh, my very carnivorous habits today totally disgusted you, Kelly. I, pre I appreciate you tolerating that very, very much. Very offensive. Very offensive. Yes, I'm sure. Uh, John, any final thoughts <laughs> about the show? Oh, the show? I thought you were going to ask me about Popeye's chicken sandwich, and that oh. that stuff is that stuff is the real deal. So good. No, no additional comments other than that. Okay, we're out of here. Bye. <laughs>